The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Well, it's good to have an opportunity to open the Word with you tonight. Let's pray. Father, I ask for your filling and your enablement tonight. May we rest completely in your sovereignty. In Jesus' name, amen. I was talking to my neighbor oh, about a week ago, and that's the neighbor right exactly behind me. He, he's a Christian. Uh, he was telling me that a few weeks back, he was out in front of his house and had some people congregating around, friends. The lady across the street called the police on him because uh, she was fearful that they were going to spread the COVID virus. And <laughs> he told me, he said, I feel sorry for her, but he said, I don't, there's no way that I know how I can reach her. I was talking to my next door neighbor and I said, are you afraid of dying? Well, he's got six other people that live in his house and that was part of the reason. Are you aware that we have an election coming up in, in a couple weeks? Anybody not, not know that? Oh, he didn't know that. <laughs> of course he did. There's a lot of people that are really uptight about it. And quite frankly, I, I have very strong opinions as to who I think should win the election. And I think I could defend it fairly well. But uh, that doesn't mean that, that I know who's going to win the election. That doesn't mean that I uh, see anything in Scripture that tells me which candidate is going to win the election? Uh, there, there are no prophecies in Scripture that say that one or the other is going to win. Let me ask you a question. What is the relationship of fulfilled Bible prophecy to the election? Now, Remember, I've said that there's no passage in the Bible which says either who's going to be the winner or who tells us how to vote. I mean, the words Republican and Democrat are not in the Bible, so far as I know. You got a Bible like that? Get rid of it. If God does not intervene in the affairs of men, then prayer is not possible. Answered prayer is not possible. Prophecy cannot be fulfilled, and the Bible is filled with many, many prophecies about many different things. Some of the prophecies have not yet been fulfilled, but many have. And God has nothing to do with the world which he created. Years ago, there was a movement called deism. 
Deism, in effect, said that God made the world, he wound it up like a clock, and has let it to run by itself and has no interest in the world. Now, even though that philosophy is not mentioned by name so much, there's a lot of people that believe that the events of, our, of this world unfold randomly and that God has nothing to do with any affairs of man on earth. In Daniel 4.17, if you want to look it up, we have a verse, that, uh, a statement that, da that Daniel made to Nebuchadnezzar when uh, he had seen a dream about uh, an image and a tree. Actually, it's the, it's, the, uh, uh, it's the tree, I believe, in this passage. But here's what Daniel says. He says, the reason for the, the dream that you had is that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the affairs of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. Now, the basest of men means the most wicked, the most cruel, the most vile, the, the, the most unwanted rulers. And history shows us that all sorts of men have ruled with uh, both cruelty and, and uh, ineptitude. I have some questions for you tonight. How is it that the clothing of Jesus could be disposed of by the men who crucified him. You see, David wrote about that a thousand years before the Lord was born. How can this be? In, in Psalm 22, 18, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. And you can read about that in the crucifixion uh, in, uh, account in Matthew. How is it that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea when Mary and Joseph lived up north, oh, 60, 65 miles north of Bethlehem? Did they get a, 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 some kind of a, a, a message from God that said, uh, listen, you've got to get down to, uh, to uh, Bethlehem right away? No. How is it that when, the, when uh, Herod wanted to know where the king of the Jews was to be born, the, uh, the teachers of the law could go to Micah 5.2 and say, In Bethlehem of Judea, but thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. It was written about eight centuries, seven and a half centuries, 
before the Lord was born. Are you familiar with the story of Esther? King Xerxes, or Hasuerus in our Bible, but it's King Xerxes in history, deposed his wife Vashti. And he wanted to get a, another wife. So they took the applications and did all the rigmarole that prospective queens are supposed to get, give, or do. And out of all the kingdom, Esther, a Jew, was, was selected to be, he, he selected her to be his queen. In Esther 2.17, we read, And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained favor and grace in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Esther had been raised by an uncle by the name of Mordecai. Apparently, from Scripture tells us that her parents had been killed. We know nothing about them. But as a result, Uncle Mordecai took her in and raised her as his own daughter. Evidently, Mordecai was a man of some means or some influence or some standing because he had access to the, um, not necessarily the throne, but the, the place the, where, the, uh, where King Xerxes stayed. There was a man in the court of Xerxes by the name of Haman that hated Jews. I guess you'd, you could call him the prototype of Hitler. And he devised, he devised a scheme, I won't go into all the details, but anyway, he was going to hang Mordecai on a scaffold 75 cubits high. Now, a cubit's about 18 inches, so you can do the math. Half of 75 is over 100 feet high. That's a pretty high scaffolding. The, the night before that's to happen the next day, Xerxes goes to bed and he can't sleep. Now, why can't he sleep. He rolls and tosses, has a new mattress brought in, new pillow, ordered one from the guy in Minnesota. And then he says, well, bring me the, 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 the historical records. Let them be read to me. And of all the volumes, of all the, the scrolls, that are brought in, he reads about Mordecai, who informed the king of a couple of men that wanted to, wanted to assassinate him. And he says, well, what's been done to honor him? And the reader apparently says, oh, nothing. There's nothing in here about it. Well, we've got to rectify this. So the next day, Haman comes in, very happy that he's supposed to have a special uh, dinner with Esther and the king, you know. 
happy me. How is it that the king couldn't sleep? How is it that Mordecai is read the passage about the <coughs> about Mordecai, uh, Mordecai is not rewarded. How is it that of all the things in those books that that's what the king is heard? Long story short, the next day it is Haman that is swinging at the end of that that scaffold 75 feet high. Sorry, excuse me, 75 cubits high. How is it that Daniel, I'm, I'm slowly working my way historically through the, backward through the Old Testament. How is it that Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, had a scroll of Jeremiah and could tell that God's pronounced captivity on Judah to the 70 years was about ready to come to an end? Now, think about this. In, in, in Daniel 9, 1 and 2, we read, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. The first year of, of Darius is thought to be about the year 539. Now, being exact, is, I wouldn't die for that. It could be a couple of years later, it could be earlier, but it's, 539 is usually the date given. That would be about 47 years after the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586. Now, with the destruction of the, of the temple, they lost the priesthood and they lost the, the Levites who were those that were, who cared for the, the scrolls and the books of the law and, and the scriptures that had been written up to that time. Now, in all likelihood, Daniel possessed more than just the scroll of Jeremiah because Daniel was a, 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 high, uh, a very wealthy man because of his position in the uh, He'd been in the Babylonian court, and then he transitioned to a high position in the Persian court. So he's reading God's word from the book of Jeremiah, and he sees, well, the 70 years is about done. Now, if you read the book, if you read about the, the destruction of Jerusalem in, in Lamentations, you'll see that it was a very bloody, uh, bloody, bloody thing. People starved to death as the armies came in. They, they just wiped out the entire culture and lifestyle and everything of, of Judah and, and carried a, a good many of them into captivity. How did, the, how did the word of God survive? How is it that the Persian king Cyrus would order the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the temple about 150 years after Isaiah predicted that Cyrus, the Persian king, that Cyrus by name would rebuild, order the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the temple. How did that come about? 
We read in Isaiah 44, 28, thus, uh, thus saith uh, of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built into the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. And in Ezra 1, 1 and 2, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, uh, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. How did all this happen? Well, the answer lies in what Daniel said to this wicked, godless king, Nebuchadnezzar, in Daniel 4, 17. Nebuchadnezzar, you have seen this vision because the Most High is letting you know that <clears throat> he ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. God is active in the affairs of men and nations. The wicked soldiers who crucified the Lord unwittingly carried out David's prophecy a hundred years later, a thousand years later. They probably didn't even know it existed. God rules in the affairs of men. Did Caesar read Micah 5-2 and realize that, hey, I've got to get Jesus Christ to be born down in Bethlehem. Uh, this, this has got to be, so I'll issue a decree. No, he didn't do that. I don't think he even knew of the prophecy. But you see, God was at work superintending what was going to happen on earth. Esther was placed at the right place at the right time. Could she have been chosen as the queen if she would have been 75 years old and senile? What's her chances of being chosen queen like that? I, it's like, that's like asking the question, did Adam marry the wrong woman? Uh, there's no way. God saves the right people alive, put her in, in connection, uh, arranged for her to be raised by Mordecai, who was apparently a man of influence and, and wealth to be running around near the palace. You see, God put Esther in that position for such, as Mordecai says, Perhaps you are come to such a time, perhaps you are here for such a time as this. She didn't put herself there. Mordecai didn't put her there. God arranged it from the time that, that her family was carried away into captivity a couple of hundred years before. Actually, 
175 years, or 150 years before. God rules in the affairs of men. How is it that King Xerxes was sleepless the night before Mordecai was to be killed? He gets read the, the history, uh, the account of Mordecai saving his life from two assassins. Of all the books and all the pages, how is it that the reader ends up there? God rules in the affairs of men. How is it that Daniel possessed a scroll and likely other scrolls, because God had protected his word. God rules in the affairs of men. Cyrus was a pagan who fulfilled the prophecy God gave Isaiah. Now, uh, we read a moment ago that, that in Ezekiel, it says that Jeremiah, that was predicted by Jeremiah. In the Jewish Bible, uh, the book of Jeremiah stands first in front of all the prophets. And so often, the, the uh, the prophets as a whole are referred to as Jeremiah rather than by the writer. So the Bible's not contradicting itself here. Cyrus was a pagan. Many years ago, the Cyrus cylinder was discovered. It's, it's a octagonal thing or hexagonal thing. I don't know how many sides it's got. It's got the history on it of the capture of Jerusalem by, or excuse me, the capture of Babylon by the Persian forces. And in that cylinder, he, Cyrus says this, or prays this, May all the gods whom I have resettled in their sacred cities daily ask Baal and Nebo for a long life for me. Now, explanation here. In in ancient time, there was what was called the God of the land concept. Uh, to illustrate, if you, lived in, um, if you lived in Troy, you worshiped the God of Troy. If you worshiped in Dayton, you worshiped the God of Dayton. If you worshiped in Xenia, the God of Xenia. If you worshiped, lived in Middletown, the God of Middletown. That's what, he, that's what he's talking about. He, he resettled many people that had been dispersed throughout the Babylonian Empire. He, he sent them back to their home, and, and he's thinking they're, they can worship the god that's in that part, in that land, in their territory. And then he says, may they ask, may all the gods whom I have resettled in their sacred cities ask Baal and Nebo for me for a long life. Baal and Nebo were Cyrus's gods. Cyrus was a pagan. He was not a worshiper of Jehovah. I say that to say this, that God uses pagan men, pagan rulers, wicked people, to carry out his plans and purposes, even though they don't know it. Would any of these people, the soldiers, or, or, or uh, Cyrus, or Xerxes, or 
Nebuchadnezzar, would any of them have said, well, God told me to do this. No, they didn't do it. God was at work because God rules in the affairs of men. He has not withdrawn himself. In Jeremiah 25, 9, God called Nebuchadnezzar my servant. Now just think for a minute, a minute about the wicked things that Nebuchadnezzar did. Remember he had a dream and and the wise men hangers, court hangers on couldn't tell him what the dream was and they couldn't tell him what uh, what it meant and so he said you're all going to die and Daniel comes in and says the God in heaven will give you an answer. You remember the dream he had about the the image, the the different metals, the head of gold, the feet of iron and clay. He commanded to be worshipped and three men, Azariah, Mishael, and, and Hananiah, refused to bow down. And he sent them into the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar was not a nice guy. And one day he stood overlooking Babylon. It was a great city. Ah, oh, this is Babylon, the great city that I have built. And that's when the messenger from heaven came to him and said, you're going to eat grass like an animal. It turns out for about seven years. After that, it appears that that. Nebuchadnezzar, after he regained his, his senses again, after that, it appears as that he became a worshiper of Jehovah. I tend to believe that. I wouldn't die for it. My Old Testament professor believed that. When you look at, at, at what he says afterwards. But the point is that at this time, when God was telling Jeremiah that Babylon would conquer, would carry Judah into captivity for 70 years, he was a wicked, wicked man. In Isaiah 44, 28, God called Cyrus, my shepherd. There's no indication that Cyrus ever became a worshiper of Jehovah, although he acknowledged that Israel's God had, had given him uh, success in battle in the conquering of all the countries. God says to Moses about Pharaoh that Pharaoh was raised up to show, to allow God to show his power to Israel. How did Israel get out of, get out of Egypt? Did they mount a, a, um, an underground uh, terrorist uh, rebellion? No. He took them out by miracle after miracle after miracle. And God says, I raised him up to show my power. Romans 13.1 says this, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. The higher powers is taken to be our government. I will not be happy if my candidate loses, 
But, I've, but according to scripture, God is in control in the affairs of men. He doesn't give me or any of you the reasons for doing what he does. He does them for reasons sufficient to himself. In the case of Joseph in the Old Testament, Joseph was sold into slavery. He was 17. When he's 30, he becomes the vice pharaoh of Egypt. Now, he did not tell Joseph when he was 17, just hold on, Joseph, you're going to be the vice pharaoh of Egypt. I doubt that Joseph would have believed him while he's, being, while he's a slave for Potiphar. You see, God was in control in Joseph's life. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. God has established government, and the remaining part of Romans 13 says that government is to be a terror to evildoers. And I'll just leave it at that. Whoever wins the election will not win the election because there are more popular votes cast for that person. They will not win because the president-elect gains more electoral votes. The next president, whoever it is, is going to be put in office by God himself for reasons sufficient to himself. Because God rules in the affairs of men. And I think we need to do what Paul said to Timothy. We need to pray for those that are in authority that we may live a peaceable life. And we may be able to enjoy the word of God. Father, we pray that you would speak to our minds, our hearts, and our wills this night. May none of us be afraid of what will happen if our candidate does not get, get elected as the next president. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.